What does a pharmacist do? Well, most people might answer that a pharmacist dispenses the medications that my doctor prescribes. Now, I work with a ton of great pharmacists, and one thing that I don't generally see is excitement about pills in a vial. And this is probably because pharmacists have been trained to do so much more. So what can you get excited about in your community? To find out, let's go Beyond the Scripts. Welcome back to Beyond the Scripts. This week, I want to start off going back in time to the year 2001. So for some of you, this is going to date me depending on your perspective as uh, being really older or really young. It's it's interesting we have that uh, broad of an audience here. But in 2001, on this particular day, I'm walking into the mall and I have my uh, indestructible Nokia brick of a cell phone in my pocket fully charged because I know it's going to be a late night because it's Monday night and Tuesday mornings when all the new releases drop, right? So uh, it's Sam Goody that I'm that I'm working at, and at the time we still had uh, a cassette section, and you know, obviously the the main uh, media format was compact disc at the time, but we still had cassettes. And what's so interesting is that I can look back, uh, and and hindsight lets me see that there's a, a really clear uh, divide between the cellular device that's in my pocket and the music marketplace that I was going in to work. And, you know, now, of course, that divide seems like so obvious, like how, you know, how did we not see that coming? And, you know, I still use a cell phone every single day and I still consume music every single day, but we do that a little bit differently. And so I'm not doing that with a compact disc and I'm not using a Nokia cell phone. And so somewhere along the line, those big dogs and the, and their games uh, lost that top spot and, and the industry around them evolved. And it's not like Nokia didn't know how to evolve because Nokia actually made rubber boots for years and years and, and moved into that technology space. And so it's, it's really interesting that we can look at at history and and have that hindsight vision of these obvious missed opportunities. And one of them that everybody likes to talk about is Blockbuster. Oh, they could have bought Netflix back in whenever for such a cheap amount. But at the time, Netflix was still basically a mail order DVD company. And Blockbuster really didn't believe in that uh, streaming service. And so even though Blockbuster had the, the tools, the relationships, the capital to, to take that plunge into uh, a streaming service, they didn't. And so even if they would have bought Netflix, Netflix just would have been another company that went away, just like Blockbuster. And so uh, it, it's really interesting that even though we can see those missed opportunities, it's, it's still very challenging today to be willing to change and not just have that willingness to go along with change and evolve, but that strength to really kind of dictate where your own destiny is going to go and be one of those driving forces in whatever industry you're in. And that could be, uh, in these cases, obviously driven by technology, but could be a lot of other industries, service industries, uh, based on competition or demand. 
And so that's what we're really going to talk about today is being able to find ways to change and evolve and what it takes to actually make those changes. So with us today, uh, we have Jen Palazzolo. Did I say that right? You did. Okay, good. I was hoping I would. I was hoping I would. That's that's kind of one of my trademark moves is uh, mispronouncing uh, last names on here. <laughs> so uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So Jen, you are in uh, Longmont, Colorado, correct? Yes. And um, that is not your native area, right? Did you grow up in, nope. in Colorado? I didn't. I've been here 18 years. Um, I grew up in Long Island, New York, and went to pharmacy school there and transplanted to Memphis and then found my way to Colorado 18 years ago. Nice. Colorado is one of those places that when somebody says they moved to Colorado, you're like, well, yeah, of course. Colorado is amazing. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> yep. They leave. They, they come to visit and they never leave is what they say. Yeah, I'm. I'm always looking for an excuse to uh, to make my way up there. So we'll have, uh, we'll have to have Jeff send you out again then. <laughs> uh, hopefully he's listening. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so tell tell me a little bit. I, I always like to get a little bit of background um, as far as what put you into pharmacy school. Did you always know you wanted to be a pharmacist? Did you have family in that realm that kind of pushed you in? So, I, yeah, I think I'm one of those like rare people that n knew I wanted to be a pharmacist. I went to pharmacy school right out of high school. Um, I don't have any family even in the medical profession, but I started at the neighborhood independent pharmacy when I was in ninth grade. And, you know, by the time I was a junior, I knew that was the career path I wanted to take. And since I'm older, um, you know, I was of the age when you could go right from high school and do the five-year Bachelor of Science in pharmacy. And so that's what I did um, at St. John's University. And then, um, you know, I opted to not pursue a PharmD. Um, and I went right into working and I worked for a chain for 13 years. And um I got to see that evolve from, you know, 1999 when I probably would have told any member of my family to go into this profession and work for a chain. It's the best thing ever to, you know, our whole industry has changed um, in the world of chain pharmacy, independent mail order. Um, it's truly evolved from what it was, um, you know, 30 years ago. Yeah, that's um, that's one of the one of the interesting feeds I, I enjoy on my Facebook uh, is uh, uh, there's a, a couple of Facebook groups where you hear people talk about their experiences just in pharmacy and and it's not associated with any software with any uh, anything other than just pharmacy memes and such and and it is funny to hear those mixed experiences and 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 just people reflecting on think, how things have changed, staffing has changed, reimbursements have changed, demands to work as a technician or a pharmacist have changed. So definitely a lot of change within pharmacy, um, whether you're at the, the big stores or you're, you're the, uh, the one in the big chair at an independent, right? Totally different. So um, you, you made the plunge to go from uh, working for one of the uh, the big chains to another independent or straight to being independent? 
Uh, no, I did do a short stretch um, at a small independent in Boulder. And I had the opportunity to be a three day a week manager. Um, and that was like ideal for my schedule at the time. And so that reintroduced me to the idea that it, independent still existed. I was in chain pharmacy for so long, I kind of thought they were a thing of the past. And so that opened up some um, avenues to see independents that had been around a long time, were successful um, opportunities to start some stores on the front range here, because a lot of the independents are in the more rural parts of Colorado. And um, there is a need on the front range to have independence and what we can offer. So, um, you know, I saw my time at that independent coming to an end because they were making some changes um, and potentially going to close their, you know, brick and mortar setup. And, you know, at that point, I had to make the decision of what I was going to do next. And uh, I decided in August I was going to open a store and open my doors in April. So it was a really quick turnaround. Wow. Wow. Yeah, so uh, this would be the one and only Flatiron Pharmacy, right? It, it is, yep. It's, we're one and only. You know, we've definitely toyed with the idea of what, what's next. But for right now, we feel like there's so much opportunity that we haven't tapped into or tried in our demographic that we have, you know, here that we're really focusing on how to grow um, this establishment right now. Yeah. So uh, one thing that is uh, probably the first thing that people notice is that your branding, your store's identity, you have a, a great graphic design and, and uh, a really solid, I guess, store image. And uh, that, that comes across in person when you visit the store and also online. Uh, if you go to your web page or if you go to your Facebook page, it's all very fresh, very active, very modern, very up to date. So that seems like the store's uh, marketing and image is something that you had value on very, very early. Yeah, we went through um, a lot of logos uh, before I saw it and was like, I mean, maybe, you know, women can relate it to like the wedding dress, you know, or like, that's it. That's the one. Um, and so we just kind of tweaked it. We were going for, um, you know, something clean and inviting, but also had a little bit of old fashioned brick and mortar pharmacy feel to it. We didn't want uh, anything that was like modern and cutting edge. Because the idea behind my store when I opened was bringing back that neighborhood pharmacy. Um, you know, a lot of people call us Flatirons. I call us Flatirons. But our whole name is Flatirons Family Pharmacy. And the one thing I remember from working in Independence was, you know, the pharmacists that I worked under, they they did literally know everybody's family, Every, you know, especially if they all lived in that town. And we wanted to really present that idea that we can take care of your whole family. And um, little did I know when I first opened that that family concept would also include pets, um, which has become <laughs> a big part of our business. And so that played into the colors and um, the fixtures that we chose. We were not going for me medicinal, sterile, white, um, any of that. 
So I feel like the branding is something we definitely have held on to, even with a few um, changes over the years to bring in some of our other offerings. We always really try to stick um, with our colors and our branding. That's such an interesting thing that, uh, you know, branding is is so important. You see that with, you know, um, breweries or, you know, so many products, uh, especially like food products, uh, you know, the branding is so important because that's the, I don't know, that's, that's just a major part of the experience. So always, always like that. Just wanted to compliment you on that. Um, so early on you, you started your, uh, you started your pharmacy. Where did, what was one of your first, uh, decisions, you know, after you made that initial opening order with your supplier, you have your your basic pharmacy OTC and and your RX stuff. Uh, what was your first pull, like your first kind of direction outside of just dispensing? So for us, it it ended up being compounding. Um, when I opened, you know, some of the advice, um, and that was almost seven years ago. Now was well, you need to have something special, something that sets you apart. You know, so they talk about delivery. Okay. We had that. Oh, you could get into long-term care and bubble packing. And I was like, ah, I did that all through college. It's not, I don't have a passion for it. So, um, I was like, all right, let me do this compounding thing. And I, you know, brushed up my skills and thought, okay, this'll, this'll grow slowly. And all I knew was chain pharmacy and dispensing. And I just assumed that is what would grow the quickest. Um, but for us, honestly, the compounding grew a lot quicker than the regular prescriptions because we were right here in town. We were able to do a quick turnaround um, for, you know, whether it was an animal or person that had a need for it. It wasn't a three to five day wait. And that is something that we've maintained that has really allowed us to grow our compounding business Um to, you know, being a huge part of what we offer. And we have kept um, the way we do our schedule, we have kept it so that offices that have immediate needs, we we can meet them, um, because we do work with a lot of emergency situations. And so it was, um, it was really nice to come into that and be welcomed into the community and especially the veterinary world. Um, because, you know, working at a chain pharmacy, it's just not something that you, for any reason, get heavily involved in. So it was really nice to uh, experience something new after, you know, working almost uh, at that time was probably about 15 or 16 years as a pharmacist. This was like a whole new world to me um, that we've really gotten super passionate about. Awesome. But, you know, compounding is such a, uh, you know, it seems like almost like a concierge service. It's just that customized medicine for your patients that, uh, like I said, you're not, you're not getting it at the, uh, at the big box stores, but it also opens the door for a lot of other, uh, niche solutions and very specific, uh, areas. And I imagine also just really stronger relationships, not only with your patients, but with the, uh, physician groups and everything in the area as well. So have you, have you like really nurtured a specific area or pursued a specific area to uh, to try to grow that? 
Yeah. So, you know, for us, like I would say, our, our into compounding was definitely the, the veterinary world. And then, you know, people would see our branding that we did compounding and, and call and ask different questions. And so probably about 18 months into business, we got introduced to um, the functional medicine world. Um, I always say we got introduced kind of backwards in that we started making and dispensing things and not entirely knowing what they were for. And so that really piqued my curiosity and the curiosity of my staff um, to make sure, well, we need to be able to counsel on these. We want to make sure that what we're doing is safe, effective, you know, within all the guidelines. So, um, We've, it really uh, took off, I would say, in the last two years where our reputation, you know, around functional medicine has really grown um, in the in the state. Um, and we we definitely try to be respectful of other independents and them trying to grow their own business. Um, but functional medicine itself in Colorado is growing. So there's always new opportunities broken down into various regions as well. So we um, have, through word of mouth, which typically comes from, well, Dr. So-and-so said to call you. They said, you know, you can help me with this problem, or you're the only one that is stocked up on this med that nobody else can get. Is that true? Do you still have it? And by building these relationships and problem solving, we've been able to grow our reach and our reputation almost organically um, without, um, there's times that we just haven't had the staffing or we haven't had the budget for an on the ground marketer, things like that. And so we've been able to organically grow just through the services that we provide in our reputation and word of mouth. Yeah, that's great. When you have that kind of organic growth, it's like you're on the right path and that's going to just, uh, that snowball is going to keep getting bigger, hopefully. So uh, so with that, with that going on in the background, you're increasing your compounding, you're, you're, uh, growing your customer base. What other opportunities did you start to experiment with when you say, Hey, we have this new foot traffic, you know, our, our numbers are up. How else can we strike while the iron's hot? So, um, you know, Coming back to functional medicine, which, you know, I think if anybody listening doesn't know what it is, it definitely is um, kind of a mixed bag of nuts with its reputation. And I encourage everybody to really look at what functional medicine truly is. It, it's not homeopathy. It's not, you know, voodoo. It's looking at the root cause of illness and trying to treat the the root cause versus the symptoms. That That's what it boils down to. And so with that um, and starting to begin to learn about that and taking different CEs, I realized that supplements were another opportunity that we were missing out on. And, um, you know, in life, you get what you pay for and all supplements are not created equal. And so we really evaluated the inventory of vitamins and nutritional supplements that we carried. And we opted to do some research with some different brand provider grade partners, um, you know, and we brought in um, different lines that 
we had heard doctors recommending or certain doctors said, hey, I don't want to sell in store, but this is what I want my patients to have. Can you carry this? Can you make sure your staff knows if they come from my office? These are the things that they they need if they if they are vague about it. This is what I want them to have. So that was like our stepping stone into really researching um, supplements and nutrient depletion. That was something that we were definitely missing the mark on. Um, you know, and it's not, it's not always easy and not every interaction is a sale. And that's really not our goal. I always try to educate my staff. Like we're not here to be like car salesmen and close the deal on the spot. It's really to plant the seed. Some people feel more comfortable getting the information and just checking with their doctor. Um, some people just take it at face value and they're they're going to buy it. Some people have stuff at home that they're like, well, I want to finish what I have because I spent money on it, but I, I want to come in next time. Can you write this down? And we have, you know, cards that we can give them with uh, what we recommend. So we tried to change our interactions at the register, which I think is a huge opportunity that sometimes independents miss out on, especially if we get too busy and we get back into that big box mentality of get it out, get it done, get it quick. Um, you know, we open to provide something different and patient engagement is something that, you know, just with the reality of the big box and their staffing, the pharmacists don't always have time to do. And so, um, you know, we have two spaces that we can talk with someone. We have private rooms if something's more um, in depth. And so we really do take the time on the spot to try to answer those um, those questions where the pharmacist will take over and then the, the clerk or the technician can continue with the people behind them. But we really try to engage people um, when they come in with us um, and plant that seed to, uh, of wellness and advocating for yourself and your own health. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so you touched on something pretty interesting there that, you know, a lot of times the point of sale is the most important face to face time you have with that patient. And and so often it's, um, you know, it's that that just move the line through it's it's the last step at workflow uh, and workflow. And, you know, sometimes efficiency takes uh, takes a front seat to uh, effectiveness or, or those relationships. So it is an interesting thing to, to keep in mind. So as you're you're growing this uh, patient base who if they're coming from doctors who are, uh, you know, focusing on that uh, functional medicine, it seems like you already have a certain uh, patient base that that's going to be receptive to new ideas and, and to some of these things. So um, are you able to kind of take that, that same mindset to patients who are coming in for their normal uh, maintenance medications, maybe just, you know, off street coming in for their, uh, for their blood pressure medications and, and kind of turn those, uh, those patients into believers? Because like you said, functional medicine, if you, if you just go to a search engine and, and Google functional medicine, you'll, you'll read articles about patchouli and, and everything else when, when, yeah, it, it really is, um, a lot more than, uh, a lot more than that. It's, it's that collective care of just, like you said, fixing the, the root cause. 
Yeah, our our some of the biggest opportunities we've had with patients that haven't been exposed to that idea of, um, you know, I don't have to stay this way forever. Um, I can be an advocate for my own health. Is um, you know, the nutrient depletion piece. A lot of um, you know, diabetic blood pressure medications. Um, you know, NSAIDs even like something simple as birth control pills, like take nutrients out of your body. And um, it's a really easy conversation to have. And we've tried to make some uh, various cheat sheets um, as bag stuffers or for the pharmacists on duty to have, because it can, it can get to be a lot in your head jumbled. Wait a minute, is this one deplete this or is it this one? So we have some um, cheat sheets. But we like tell somebody, are, like, are you starting to have muscle weakness? Um, statins is a great one. You know, it's known to deplete your body of CoQ10. And um, we really try to talk with our patients on statins first about, you know, how long have you been on it? What are you, are, are you doing anything lifestyle diet wise to perhaps reduce your dose or get off of it? Then we also talk about, um, you know, products like bergamot that have been studied to work on the same pathway as a statin, but they don't have the same, you know, depletion. So we would never tell somebody, hey, stop your drug and take this. But we just try to plant the plant the seed, give them information on some different options, whether it be lifestyle or supplement. And a lot of times we find, I mean, Colorado is a, a very healthy state. Um, and so people are generally receptive to the information um, that there are other options. And I think that, um, you know, doctors are put under some of the same pressure that large big box pharmacies are where they have metrics to meet and everything is limited in time and they only have so much time to engage with a patient that some of these longer conversations get left out. And, you know, it's been shown that patients see their pharmacist more than they see their doctor. So again, something might not happen the first conversation. It may be the next time, or maybe they'll pick up the phone. Um, we've had a lot of success um, with diabetes self-management patients were, you know, accredited to do DSME. And we were, we were on a good, um, upward trajectory and then COVID kind of hit. And it's been challenging um, to have people in person and there was all the back and forth over telehealth. So we're trying to revamp that, but those were a really um, receptive patient population because they often have comorbidities other than diabetes. They don't like taking a lot of the diabetic medications um, because of side effects. So having these DSME classes that we do get paid for our time for, um, if they're Medicare, and we're fortunate that in our demographic, people will just pay cash for our classes. Um, we're able to offer them various supplements, um, and we have an A1C machine. So when they come in, we can track their progress by following our recommendations with diet supplements, um, things like that. You know, so we had a patient that his, I mean, you would look at him and think he was healthy, you know, and he was not severely overweight or anything, but he, he was a type two diabetic, super out of control with his sugars. And, um, you know, we just said, look, give this ketogenic diet 30 days 
and let's check your A1C. We've got to get some control here. And we talked to him about how to do that, how to do it safely, how to watch his blood sugars. And sure enough, he was like, his mind was blown by the results. Like he had spent all of this time struggling to get his blood sugars. And they kept adding another pill and an injection of this. And now he's backing off his doses, right? His doctors are able to decrease his meds. And so that's, um, I think DSME is a great opportunity um, for almost any independent pharmacy to get involved in because there is the opportunity to get paid for it. If you do group classes and you're not set up with a medical plan, if you do enough people at once, you can do the cost low enough that almost anybody can afford to come to the class, but at least you're getting paid for your time and, you know, the value that you're providing to these patients. So it's a great revenue source. Um, And of course, we're still challenged with COVID in person, group size, but I think we're at the point that we can work around most restrictions and start bringing that back in. So that's, that's so interesting. Did you see like in, in any realm when you were maybe at a big box store that now you would be in in an environment where as an independent pharmacist, you're holding nutritional classes, recording labs, uh, and getting patients off of medication. (laughs) Um, it, it seems a bit untraditional for, uh, for a pharmacist. No, I mean, I really didn't. I think, um, as, as I started taking students here at the store, I realized how much more clinical their education is compared to when I went to school um, and that they really are suited to do a lot of this. It also made me realize that myself or my staff, I don't do the diabetes program, but like, okay, we need to brush up on things. And, you know, um, the good thing about doing uh, the AADE certification is like you have to do 15 hours of CE. You have to get up to date with, you know, all the current standards, um, you know, in the functional medicine world, our recommendations may be a little bit different, but, it, you know, they can definitely be married together to have the best outcome for the patient. Um, I never in a million years thought I would be uh, purchasing an EHR platform, but that's like next on our list because we have we have enough patients coming in to see us and we work with a physician that comes in and sees patients for us that we need an EHR, you know, where it's like we have too many papers that we're trying to keep. So I, yeah, I never would have thought um, that that expanding the space that we initially expanded to, um, we took on another like thousand square feet. We're like, Oh, this front space, we're going to just add retail. And we put all this retail in it and we're like, Oh, nobody goes over here. What are we going to do with this side? And, you know, we built a conference area for our classes and we have two, um, wellness rooms. One has an exam table. Now, um, it, it continually evolves. Uh, from what I thought it would be from day one. Which is really neat because if you if you think about it, pharmacists, hometown pharmacists, Main Street pharmacists have always branched out and and done different things. You know, the uh, the Norman Rockwell paintings of the the soda fountains, uh, the early adaptation of, you know, ice machines and soda fountains and gift shops and gift cards and traditionally pharmacists have looked in other areas, but those other areas seem limited to <laughs> those, uh, those things. So stepping into that clinical space, 
definitely seems like you have all of the tools to take that doctor's diagnosis, to dispense those medications, and then help make sure that they're effective. But now you're even moving into realms where you can't even help with some of the diagnosis, with point-of-care testing. And so have you have you stepped into that realm yet? Yeah. So our, our first intro to point-of-care testing was doing flu and strep. And you know, honestly, it was it was hit or miss for us because um, there's just a plethora of of urgent care, and um, pharmacists are not marketers. So I think maybe we some a couple times missed the mark on on marketing, um, but we we did pretty well with it. Um, people liked the idea of being able to come in and um, not have to wait in an urgent care with other sick people. We priced it so that it wasn't any more expensive than an urgent care visit. And um, so the challenge that we ran into, and I would definitely suggest um, to anybody getting into this space, is try to get a blanket collaborative agreement to prescribe if your tests are positive. We um, just weren't entirely sure how to approach it. And so at the time, we started going to our top providers. And some were like, oh, my gosh, this is great. Yes, sign. Uh, you can prescribe. Then others were like, no, I need a phone call. And then uh, and so then that delayed it for the patient. And it wasn't this seamless experience for them to get their medication. Um, and so once the machine is off back order, the machine only lasts two years, we will work with the doctor that we have a relationship with to now have that blanket collaborative agreement, kind of like we do for immunizations, so that you can, you know, if somebody's strep positive, you just want to get them on an antibiotic. That's pretty cut and dry. With its flu, you can leave it up to the patient if they want the Tamiflu or not, but you at least want to be able to prescribe it, not say, oh, we just tested you, you're positive for flu, but now your doctor wants you to go there too. So, you know, we definitely right. don't get everything right the first time. It is tons of learning experiences. Um, and so then we um, have been fortunate enough, uh, we are a CPESN store, and we got, um, our group got a grant from the Colorado Department of Health um, that involves the University of Colorado. So our next step into point of care testing is the the A1C machine and um, the cholesterol machine. I don't know. I can't recall the exact name of it right now, but we're able to offer those um, on site as well. And um, patients really, really like that, um, especially um, the diabetics. You can't use the A1C to diagnose someone as diabetic, but you can use it if somebody is like, hey, um, I've been working really hard and I want to see what my A1C is now that I've made these changes. They can just come in, you know, pay the fee and get that reading rather than having to go to the doctor, then go to a lab and do all of that. So um, that's been a really nice addition that uh, we've been able to do through this uh, partnership with the Department of Health and the university. So you you touched on a on a a lot. <laughs> Just then, one what, what of the first things is uh, you you said it was challenging. And of course, if if uh, you're on that front line of change, you're figuring a lot of this out with uh, a small group. There, There's not it, it's not something that's established across the board that every pharmacy is doing currently. There's uh, point of care testing. Even immunizations are fairly new in the realm of pharmacy. Um, so. You know, 
how do you find support for those uh, new endeavors when you do face those challenges? How do you decide what challenges align with your values and your patients and, and your community needs? Uh, do you just spend a lot of time doing research? Is it from, uh, do, do you just have a buddy you call? <laughs> what's, your, what's your support system here? I'm definitely not the best researcher. I like <laughs> I like to turn something on and have it work right away. So I definitely am probably like more on the impulsive, let's just try it and see if it works side. Um, but one of the, I mean, honestly, one of the best resources I've had over the years, I mean, it's kind of evolved. You know, when I first opened, it was going to the various trade shows and meeting people and having them as contact points of contact because they whether they were at it a year longer than me or 20 years longer, I had different people that I could reach out to. Um, and then I, uh, I got invited, it's probably been a year or two. And I honestly wish this, I had this group when I first opened, we have an independent pharmacist Facebook group that is, I mean, worth its weight in gold because everyone there, I mean, you got people from all over the country. So different demographics, different age, you know, some people own 10 stores. Some people started one store four months ago, and it's a great resource to pull from, um, and share ideas with because we all know reimbursements are challenging, finances are hard. And so I think that having this group to say, hey, I tried this, it was terrible, don't do what I did is great. Or, hey, we did this, it's really working, this might be good in your area. Um, you know, that I feel like that is definitely my support system now. And it's, you know, it's an easy one to get to. And, um, and you, you know, you make friends along the way. And then when you go to these trade shows, which we haven't gotten to this year, but then you get to meet these people in person, which is even better. And so they, they really become, um, you know, friends and mentors along the way. Yeah, it is interesting that uh, independent pharmacies, even on the same strip uh, of the same main street of the same city are generally really, you know, collaborative and love to help each other. And, and there's uh, a unique community uh, there with pharmacists in general. So I'm, I'm definitely missing the, uh, the trade show season this year as well. So <laughs> when, um, when, when you do try something new, um, not everything you try probably has been successful, right? Have you, yeah. have you had, uh, some projects that maybe you pursued and, and at what point did you, uh, did you say, you know, I'm, I'm going to go another direction and that's okay. Uh, and, and how do you keep your, how do you bounce back from, uh, uh, from what wasn't as successful as, as you hoped it'd be? Um, you know, I mean, I will say for us, our first round of trying to get DSME accredited, you know, it just, it, it didn't go well, the amount of paperwork and the time it, it was wrong. And I did obviously invest uh, a staff pharmacist time in that, and we didn't get to the end point. And, um, I, for temporarily, I scrapped the whole idea. I was like, Oh, we're gonna, we're gonna find something else. And so that was probably a good year, like wasted trying to pursue that. Um, because when we went to do it again, we had to start, um, all over, um, you know, we tried, um, I, I will say for me, some of my biggest flops has, have honestly been on our non-pharmacy side with the gifts. 
and some of the stuff that I bring in and they just like, you think it's going to be great. Next thing you know, you're like just begging people to get, just take it, take it for free. I don't know what I was thinking with this $300 razor, you know, or something like, I mean that those have been some of my, my epic, um, fails, you know, um, we've done, we've tried a few things and I, you know, I know some of the independents that listen, will be familiar with this and, you know, and I don't want to name names to like give any group a bad reputation, but we've tried some of these like quote unquote partnerships with other um, companies where, Hey, all you do is you just fill the prescription. We do the rest of the work and um, you know, you can make lots of money and um, we, we tried one for about two months and they wanted 60% of the profits and they definitely did not do all the work. And so, you know, and my staff didn't like it. I didn't like it. So that, that was kind of a, a fail. And, you know, it was time consuming because they came in, they brought in equipment, you know, training time. And I think sometimes we don't, we forget about um, staff time being an inv- a financial investment. And so that was time that we put into that. Um, you know, a lot of people know I did cataract surgery boxes for a, quite a long time. And there was a partnership involved with a piece of those that um, definitely ended up being a fail at the end. Um, you know, the, the company's still around, but I had to make a business decision to give up the income to um, keep my really keep my pharmacy true to what it was. And I felt like what they were asking was just too far off course for what our focus was. And that was a lot of staff time, energy, long nights, overtime put into trying to make this partnership work. So I would say like, you know, from a a blanket thing, these, these partnerships with outside companies are definitely something I suggest always doing a lot of due diligence on and checking with people who have done it are still with it, not with it. If they're not, why didn't they? Um, Because a lot of times, you know, things aren't always what they, they seem and their job is to sell themselves to a pharmacy because they need us. They need us to do the dispensing. They're not. And, um, so that was, those were things that I would say, given, you know, the roller coaster of reimbursements, you kind of think like, okay, well this, this sounds pretty good. All right. This could offset this or that. Um, and they, they just didn't pan out and it may work in a different pharmacy, but for us, we just, we really had to come back to our roots. And for me, my roots were like local, independent, really take care of Colorado, not worry about 50 states. People have asked me to get licensed and compound in 50 states. And I'm like, that's not my business model. There's plenty that that is their business model and they're really good at it. It's not mine. Um, And so you sometimes have to say no to opportunity to stay true to what you started for. Yeah, I think that's I think that's really interesting too. That it may be successful at another pharmacy, um, in another market, with another business plan, with other business goals, uh, but finding what's right for you is going to be just as Im- important as uh, as the product itself, even. So what um what what do you have on uh what do you have on the burner now? I'm always curious to know what uh. 
what <laughs> what don't I have on the burner? Um, so back, I can kind of tell you what we have on the burner based on another flop was genomics. Like trying to get into to the pharmaco and nutrigenomics was something that we thought would be great because we had a couple patients that didn't care about the price and they came in and paid for it and loved it. And um, it just never took off. And then there was this whole weird FDA thing and it kind of got quiet. But um, in our world of really believing in root cause and, you know, the genetic reasons behind certain things, and um, we are trying to get back in with an affordable way of doing pharmaco and nutrigenomics. Um, so, but for right now, I think my biggest idea um, is uh, subscription boxes for um, our supplements, right? Everybody loves boxes. I mean, good Lord, there is a box for everything right now. Yep. Right. And like, why don't we have subscription boxes? Fab fit fun. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that's that's mean, a great one. <laughs> like, I mean, they have them for the dogs, like everybody, keto boxes, this boxes. And I'm thinking, well, we've got regular customers. Um, we should offer them a benefit to buying from us. We already package our products as pretty as we can. You know, we put like colored tissue paper and fold it nice. You know, we try to, when our compounds go out, we try to make it aesthetically pleasing and look professional. So let's do that with supplements. I think that is like our first win. And people a lot of times are on stuff forever. So why not offer them free shipping every 90 days if you commit to this and, you know, you can have tiered discounts. So that's um, one idea. Um, our other, I mean, compounding is like definitely our, our growth piece. We, um, you know, we met our, our next big goal um, in September. Like we've been reaching for this goal of a X number of compounds a month and we finally hit it. And um, the reason behind that, and I think every independent probably has this, like, what's the one thing we have financial control over in this industry? And it's not the PBM. So whether it's your front end sales, your gift shop, your compounding, you know, long term care, you have a little bit more uh, control over getting accounts and things like that. So we're really um, trying to grow that and then kind of decide Space-wise, what does that look like? Because um, you've seen, I think you were here when we had our 800 lab. Did we have it built out? Um, yeah, you were you were in the process. Yeah, and so it's like, uh, are we outgrowing this already with the amount of staff we might need? Um, the the other big thing is really trying to expand on this partnership that we have um, with a doctor you know, who is cool to be with us super part-time. Um, so trying to make that a real offering to our patients. So we, um, people are like, what, you know, what do you need a doctor for? So for some people, it might be urgent care visits, which we're thinking about, okay, we might offer those um, for a, a reasonable fee. But for us, um, back to point of care testing, we do um, hormone testing, ZRT, um, either blood spot or saliva testing. And the patients pay for the lab and they pay for a consult with us. But what happens is, as everybody knows, we don't have prescriptive authority, which is, is fine. But 
if the patient paid for labs and paid for a consult and they need something, they, they want to be able to go home with what they need to make them feel better. And so we have a doctor then that finishes, closes that gap for us. And so we're really trying to, rather than kind of a, a patient here, a patient there, really kind of make that now that it's, um, we've done our beta run with it and had a, you know, a group of patients and it's, they like it, um, really make that a true offering that we advertise um, and people can go online, schedule all of that for. Uh, we just brought in um, and we will probably do our like huge launch in January, but we're going to do a soft launch of a weight loss program. Um, and the, the reason I chose this and people who follow me on independence know I have been all over the place back and forth, but I chose this brand because it is um, run by registered dietitians. So it's not, um, in my opinion, like a fad diet. Um, and it's a very flexible program where it has a 16-week program. that That's their gold standard. But if you have somebody that feels that's too restrictive for them or you know they don't have as much weight to lose as the next person, you can really... Ad- customize this program to each person's needs without them feeling like they have to buy a certain amount of food every week, no matter what. But, um, you know, so the food is profitable. The, um, we got a body composition scale that will go along with this and the app, um, that this program offers. And so it really all comes back to the idea of trying to help our client base become well and advocate for their own health before they get sick or if they're on the borderline of being pre-diabetic, let's stop it. Let's stop it before you need meds. Um, and wow. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like this diet pro <laughs> this diet, or it's really a lifestyle program because it slowly reintroduces real food. And then it's up to you. If you want to buy their bars or snacks, you don't ha- you can get off their food entirely. And I liked that because it, it didn't feel like a sales pitch for the rest of your life to keep the weight off. Sure. So, you you again <laughs> threw out a lot of uh, like every time I talk to you, you have so many things that you're that you're working on and which I, I think is amazing. Um, one of the I'm going to go way back uh, first. You you mentioned like that uh, the box and and the packaging, and you know I got to thinking uh, the, those boxes. The presentation of those has become part of like our. Uh, our culture now, you know, if you go on Instagram, you have like unboxings and, um, you know, when you open an Apple product, the packaging is so amazing. I have a, uh, a dollar shave program that they just send the razors to my house. So I don't even have to worry about it. And they're, you know, super, super cheap razors. They could come in a, uh, you know, in a white envelope and it'd be like, you know, but they go out of their way to put it in this ginormous, um, labeled, branded, really well-branded packaging, and it makes it something more than the product inside. It's, it's at that point, that packaging makes it almost like a present. It's, it, there's something special about it. And so I was thinking about that as a follow-up when somebody comes into your pharmacy, they're doing those lab tests, they're talking to your specialists, they're buying nutritional foods, they're, they're getting advice from you in a bunch of different areas, and then they go home and they have this special package come in the mail to them. 
it's it's almost more like being a a member of of something than uh, than just a patient. Like I'm not going to run into the drugstore. I'm going to uh, stop into Flatirons Family Pharmacy for you know my monthly consult. It's it's it, it makes your pharmacy a uh, both an event and a destination for the day. Yeah, I definitely. I mean, I sometimes use the word like I think we're more of a boutique pharmacy and I I never want to use that term like to exclude anyone. But again, in our demographic, we've got, I don't know, six chain stores. We've got Walmarts. We've got grocery stores. So like I don't carry paper towels. I don't carry toilet papers like some rural stores do and probably need to and do well with. So we definitely, um, we have a different experience that works for us. And I have to give Nicolette Matthew the, the tissue paper credit. Like I can't take credit for the, the packaging. She, it was actually at the last year's pioneer show that she talked about how she packages her products, you know? And I was like, like, what, a, what a brilliant no brainer idea, like cheap tissue paper, you buy it in bulk and it just makes you look that much better than, um, you know, not to rag on Amazon, but right. The stuff you come from Amazon comes in a box. Sometimes it's got bubble wrap. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it rattles around and you wonder if it's broken. Like, so we just take that little extra step, um, that, like you said, it makes it a little bit of an experience, um, rather than up, oh, there's my box, toss it aside, uh, type thing. So, um, I, I think if anybody's doing anything, that is probably one of the one of the best takeaways that we've had from a trade show is just package your product professionally. Yeah, definitely makes it special. You know, it, it, it takes something that could be utilitarian and, and it makes it, uh, it makes it personal and makes it special. And, and it's easy to do that face to face. But I, I think maybe we forget about that once, once it, it goes in a mailbox sometimes. So that's really interesting. Well, we're just about up at a time. And I know you have, uh, I, I know you have so much going on there. I, I, I am curious, you know, how, uh, how, how you see things in five years where you're going from here. You know, honestly, in five years, my, my short-term goal is to find the right pharmacy manager, because I, I think a lot of owners can relate to the fact of you have all these ideas, but when you have yourself on the bench three to five days a week, it's very hard to bring these ideas um, to fruition. Um, and I really feel like with adding the right member to our team, um, you know, I really see us growing uh, to being a true wellness um, destination and really filtering out um, things that aren't working or aren't profitable for us and really honing in on the things that, um, you know, bring something unique to the community and bring in the revenue that we need to continue um, to grow. And that may mean expanding within this space, expanding in a bigger space or, you know, a different uh, location down the road. But I'm, I'm really excited to just keep keep growing what we have and changing with the the times that our profession is um, faced with. But I think it's giving us a lot of unique opportunities that we might not have thought of even five years ago. 
Absolutely. Well, anybody listening, uh, I would definitely recommend you go add uh, Flatiron Family Pharmacy on Facebook because uh, Jen's very active on there. I always enjoy watching your videos on there. In fact, uh, you mentioned Bergamot. You have a great video where you were just talking about that with your patients. When if you put all of that in a face to face transaction, when somebody's, you know, maybe got to pick up their kids soon or, you know, they're how much of that is are they going to take with them? And, and hold three days from now. Whereas if you could reach them in their home, that's uh, that's a really different experience where you're able to reach out and, and have that connection. So anybody watching, definitely uh, go make some new friends on Facebook, be sociable. <laughs> but Jen, thank you so much for spending some time with us. Thanks, Will. All right, we'll talk to you later. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond the Scripts presented by the Catalyst Pharmacy Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please support our channel by liking, subscribing, and clicking the notification bell so that you'll be notified anytime we post new content. To stay up to date with all of the latest independent pharmacy news and content, follow PioneerRx on your preferred social media platform.